Okay, here we are. Steve Dunn Podcast, Episode 4. I'm joined today by Amanda Moody, a visual artist. Amanda's having a lot of success these days. You can find her work in the American Express Centurion Lounge at the Charlotte Airport. She's been featured on television. Her designs and artwork appear on products and wallpaper, but it wasn't always this way, and it didn't just happen. Amanda got her start through another business, and with the power of the internet and the reach of Instagram, she's made a career out of the thing that she loves. It was a great pleasure speaking with Amanda about her work. I hope you enjoy. Bombshells is the name that you go by. Bombshells.com is your website, right? And this is uh, an evocative word, uh, but it is, it's something that came from a prior business, right? It's sort of the the way that you got into being a professional artist. Tell me about that. Precisely. Um, I used to refinish vintage furniture and scout out estate sales for um, vintage and antiques and anything home decor related and a friend of mine and I had a booth at Sleepy Poet here in Charlotte and Slate Interiors also in Charlotte and we would just you know stage all of our furniture with my art I would paint a painting or two and um, we came up with the name or actually my other friend Kathy came up with the name I I had told her that um, that I just always liked the word bombshell it just it felt confident. It felt sexy. It felt just a little bit wild. I just always loved that word. And when I told her about it, she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak this for you. And she came up with a logo and she showed me the logo and it said bombshelves, like bookshelves. And it was like at that moment, I was like, yes, this is what it is. Well, it works in every way, right? <laughs> it, it totally does. It plays off of bombshells and you're mm-hmm. Uh, women running the business right. and it and is, we're both blonde and it's furniture right, <laughs> right. so that you have shelves and the yes. furniture itself is the bomb right yes totally and um so I started painting like I was saying before I started making a few paintings to stage in our booths and my partner Amy at the time she was like girl why are you painting dressers like you need to be doing something with your art like this is your talent and I just kind of brushed it off, but um, well, let me ask you about yeah. it. So you're you're creating works of art for the purpose of sort of serving as accent pieces or background or setting mm-hmm. for what you thought was the focus, which was the furniture, right. the, the bombshells furniture. Now, yep. is that how you started making visual art, or is this something that you had always done? Well, I went to college and studied studio art um, at UNC Greensboro and Appalachian State. And never graduated. Once I finished my studio classes, I was totally bored. I had a 12 average in accounting. And I just, I I remember the professor, (laughs) this is the best story. This professor, he was Professor Hendricks. He was probably 80 years old at the time. And he came up to me and my maiden name is Potts. And he said, Miss Potts, what is your major? And I said, well, it's studio art museum studies, sir. And he said, you have a 12 average. What do you need to pass this class? And I said, I need a D, sir. And he had seen me sitting in the front row every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. bawling my eyes out. And he's like, it's yours. He gave me a D. And 
but then after that I was like I cannot do this anymore so I just I left college and I worked for the remainder of the next 15 years I guess I guess <laughs> so how did you start then um making art like yeah. how did you come back to it I guess I should say well I started the refinishing furniture business with Amy and then you know dabbled a little bit in painting and then I hit a very low rock bottom um my husband and I separated and it was a really low point in my life um but I needed to learn how to be self-sufficient and I started painting again just as therapy in a way and um just for myself someone a friend of mine saw what I was doing and they were like I want you to paint something for my living room so I did and they paid me my mortgage payment for it and which what at the time was not a lot of money but it was a lot to me and I was like oh that's awesome so I just I kept going and I just kept experimenting and then one more person offered you know or asked me if I would make something for them and then one more and then one day I realized that I was able to make more money doing that than supporting any other entrepreneur that I was working for at the time I was like I need to invest in myself and you know not invest all this time in someone else I need to do it for me I definitely want to talk about the business yes. uh, <laughs> side of things but as to the art itself uh, mm -hmm. the uh, the work itself uh, is a lot of it's abstract but not all of it mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty colorful uh, it's been described as having movement mm -hmm. as uh, evoking natural forms uh, the water and uh, mm -hmm. the, the creation of, of nature. Uh, mm -hmm. You can find it in there. There's flowers. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm just curious how you would describe your creative journey and where it is now in comparison to uh, where it was a year or two or more ago. I feel like my confidence level is just light years ahead of where it was, obviously. That happens in, probably in any profession you know, the more you experience the, you know, you have that to back you up. And um, so I'm definitely, I take more risks now. I'm not afraid to change what I'm doing. Um, I feel like my work has evolved, but I also feel like it's, it stays, you can tell that it's me that's doing it because it is all bright and colorful and flowy and organic. Cause I've had, I actually had a recent commission. Um, I wound up painting something for them and it wound up being too specific for them and they wanted something from old school Amanda you know when I just did similar to what you have out in the office you know nondescript blobs of alcohol ink and color so what you're describing is here at the office mm -hmm. we are recording this at Miles Mediation and Arbitration mm -hmm. and behind our reception desk we have an Amanda Moody original um, which is I guess that's old Amanda, right? That's is that's the alcohol inks, uh, what we call the blobs, right. <laughs> the, tra <Yes>. the translucent <laughs> blobs. <laughs> yes. Um, and so that that's a phase or a period of your creative output that you now classify as being in the past, right? And it sounds not like necessarily, um, not in the past. It's it's one style of mine, and I don't do it as frequently as I used to. Um, but I still have so many requests for it, and. I guess I, I, I misunderstood when, when I was speaking with this, this client that that's what they wanted. I knew, she, I mean, she's been following me forever. 
Um, so I showed her something that I created and I was going to turn it into a wallpaper mural for her business. And she said, no, no, I really just want the colors and blobs like old school Amanda. I was like, okay, I can handle that. I can, no problem, no skin off my back. I'll sell the other one. I'm not worried about it. Um, and so I have to challenge myself to go back and try to make it like something I did five years ago, you know. And we'll see if I'm successful or not. <laughs> I'm just curious what that feels like because yeah. I, you know, I know we, we talked. I just mentioned bands just the other yeah. day, but I think it is analogous. Right? If you're a band that had a big hit in yes. the '90s or whatever, yes. and people can come come and see you today. Mm -hmm. I, I just recently saw Sting in Vegas just yeah. a couple weeks ago, and he came out and and he you know he did what a lot of artists do. I think he came out and sort of made the prefatory speech of apology that he, I'm about to play these new songs. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, really? Like, kind of. You know, yeah. he, he was cool about it and he did it, you know, artfully. But right. um, he, he basically said, you know, they tell me that in Vegas, uh, people only want to hear the hits and that's no problem for me because all I have is hits, you know, <laughs> but I have a new record coming out and here are a couple of songs, you know, I mm -hmm. hope you like them. And he played them and they were fine and everybody was polite. But then he played, you know, like uh, Every Breath You Take or something right. and the crowd went wild, you know, and, and I wonder sort of how that feels as an artist. And mm -hmm. I think it feels different for different artists. I think there are artists yeah. who kind of resent that and get tired of it and are kind of crappy about it. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? I think there are others who sort of love it and are thankful for all the people who are totally. who love them, you know? Yeah. But, but at the same time, there's a sense in which you've moved on, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's a, a way in which you, if you're evolving and growing as an artist and mm -hmm. a person, then the things that you were doing before, however much people love them, just aren't you anymore. And right. so I wonder how it feels when people are responding to a prior you in that way. As of right now, it I'm grateful for it and it, because it's still me and it's still a stepping stone to where I am now, you know. And I'll let you know in a couple of weeks once I finish it, if I finish it, if I can pull it off, you know, something like what I used to do because it has been a while. But um, – it's still valid work to me. It's not, it's not the the stuff that I did like in the beginning that wound up in the trash. It's you know, I've I've taken images of this piece that she's referring to, kind of like yours, and turned it into a mural, turned it into a repeating pattern. So it's still very current to me in a lot of ways too. Well, let's talk about it. So mm -hmm. if you go to bombshells.com yes. and scroll down, it, that's where you're going to find the trend, the blobs, yes. right? the blobs <laughs> of color, right? And if yes. you scroll up, up mm -hmm. to the top, that's like the more recent stuff. Correct. How do you describe what you're doing now? Um, I, I'm actually surprised that I'm doing more representational work. Um, it's And it's just come out that I'm very, very fascinated with nature and it's evolved to the point where I can, I look at something, a flower and see the symmetry in a flower. And I just want to replicate that all over a giant panel. I was about to know? ask you if the representational gateway drug for you was flowers, <laughs> yes. be because that's the first thing that I remember mm -hmm. seeing one day and saying, Oh, Ma Amanda's going representation. Yes. That is wrecking. <laughs> that is a flower and there's no way around it. Right. That's exactly what it was. So that's yeah. how you kind of cracked the mm -hmm. cracked in. Yep. And now it's, it's getting more and more. I mean, the, the stuff yes. that you've got now, has got like very recognizable light. There's a lightning bolt yes. up at the top of the screen. There's Mushrooms. A, okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually working on a landscape now. I've done about three or four landscapes for commissions um, because a lot of people, when they see even my older stuff, they, 
they've always told me what they see in my paintings. You know, it's kind of like cloud watching, if you know the shapes that they see. Um, a lot of families, if they've commissioned something, they'll they'll stand around with their family members and just be like, "Oh, look, there's a moon. You know, there's a bird. There's a rabbit," and um, and they make it kind of a game, which I love. I love that it's it, my work is is something that people want to talk about and engage with each other in front of, you know? Um, so it's just, it's kind of evolved to, you know, where people have asked me, Oh, could you do a more specific landscape for me? Um, or something, a jungle theme or, you know, and I'm like, yes, I'll, I'll try it all. So what about the media? Uh, the, the blobs mm-hmm. are alcohol inks, yes. right? And mm-hmm. you, you sort of, you, you drop them down onto a surface and then you kind yes. of like dilute them and mm-hmm. sometimes you move them around yep. in different ways. So I'm, I'm very interested in that process, but also uh, how that is different from what you're now doing. I still paint horizontally, especially in the initial stages of a painting. Um, everything I use not everything, but the majority of what I use is very, very fluid. So I like to manipulate it. Okay, so you've got a big table yes. that you're standing in front of, right. and the uh, the canvas or the board mm-hmm. that you're working on is lying flat. Yes. And then you can uh, take it and sometimes use gravity mm-hmm. by tilting it, or yep. you've, you've like blown on it with straws before, yes. right? Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hair dryers, uh huh, heat guns. Um, yeah. And then sometimes I'll just like dump a big cup of, you know, fluid or medium on it to make it even more drippy. And I mean, my, my studio is a mess and I love it, but, um, you work out of your home, right? I do. Is it, do. Uh, is your studio, your garage, or do you have a room in your house? Yes. Or? And yes. Okay. All right. Very good. <laughs> Name one room that's not taken over by my stuff. Um, yeah. So the pandemic, it wasn't even, I didn't even bat an eye. It just didn't even bother me. Like, what? Oh, people aren't going out? Okay. I'm just here. One <laughs> so. of the things that really strikes me about your stuff is that it's, um, you're, you don't hesitate at all to depart from a, a rectangular uh, flat surface. Like, so for <laughs> example, there is a French horn that you <laughs> paint. I was about to say decorated, but yes. I, don't even know, I don't think that's the right word. Like, yes. you, that you you incorporated into an artwork, right? Yes. It is the surface uh, that you use yep. uh, for your art. Uh, there's been surfboards. I think yep. there's a, a bird feeder at least, or a no. bird bath. A bird no. bath. Oh, bird bath. There's something. Ooh, I'm going to do a bird bath now. Okay. There's a guitar. A good, yes, yeah. yes, of course. So Surfboard, how did those come yeah. to you? Is that an idea that you have, or are those uh, projects that are brought to you? The surfboard was the first semi-three-dimensional thing that I came up with, and just came across some old boards and I was in that they were completely unusable and I'm like all right I'll paint on this let's see what happens and um sold that one commissioned another commissioned another I really want to do another one um they're super fun to do and um and then after that somebody had the idea I wonder if Amanda would paint a guitar so I did that about a year ago and that led to the French horn so I'm waiting for a baby grand piano commission. Somebody out there. Maybe one of the listeners of <laughs> yes. the Steve Dunn podcast has just been sitting here thinking, you know, I'd like to have somebody paint this piano yes. that is sitting on our house. <laughs> oh, a fountain. That's what you're thinking that's, of. That's what it was. Bath. It was something, I think it was like on a wall. It definitely yes. had water. Was, yeah. was that an installation at somebody's house? Yes. That was a fountain at someone's house. How do you do that? Because a fountain is, what mm-hmm. is that, like concrete or something? I had to go there every day for over a month. So that was, um, 
if I do another one of those, I, I think I'll have it shipped to my house because it'll go way faster. Um, and it, you know, it, it interrupted my flow of other work. Everything else was like totally on hold while I painted that, but it turned out awesome. So I actually saw it the other day. Music is a big part of your process, yes. right? And I know that um, one of the things I noticed is that you, you name all your pieces. Mm-hmm. And I wondered how you did that. Mm-hmm. And I saw somewhere that somebody <laughs> wrote about you and said that uh, song lyrics are a mm-hmm. source of at least some of the names yep. of your pieces. So I'm curious both about what role music plays in your creative process mm-hmm. and then also uh, how you name the works. I always am playing music in my studio there are a few days where I'm just like I just want silence but um music is it's just a big part of the life force for me I just can't imagine life without it you know um and it raises my energy and just gets me out of my gets me out of my head as far as you know the outside world um and when I'm painting if a lyric sticks in my mind or just it's very meditative when I am working and um, if something just pops in my mind, whether it's from a lyric or just a thought or a, a vocabulary word or a phrase or something I read, um, I'll write it down. Otherwise I'll forget it. <laughs> um, and I have a list of maybe 200 I, words and phrases that just feel like me. And then I kind of match them up to the painting. As you look back mm-hmm. uh, over the work that you've done, can you remember uh, what you were feeling or what you were hearing? Uh, always. Always? Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's really, really, it's really cool to me. Um, that's how much music means to me, that I just, I zone out, and and then when I look back on, you know, my process photos and everything, I'll remember, oh, I was listening to Tom Petty, I was listening to the Kings of Leon, you know, during this exact portion of it it's funny that I have zero memory for some things and then others it's just cemented in my brain well somehow you take this hobby that you have this interest that you have and you turn it into your full-time job yes (laughs) and that it seems to me to uh that's something that not a lot of people do and I think part of the reason is because it's daunting I think it's Mm -hmm. it's got to be frightening on some level Mm -hmm. you're exposing yourself to vulnerability in a way like you're you're kind of like holding yourself out as something you know you're Mm -hmm. like you're saying like hey uh you should pay money for this thing that I created and I'm asking you to (laughs) right and I'm putting myself out as a person who gets paid money to do this thing how do you do that how do you get over that hump I know it started with some positive feedback that you got through your staged furniture Mm -hmm. settings uh, and, and some people just came to you. It's almost like you became a, a paid artist in spite of yourself because people just came to you and said, hey, I want to give you money for your art. But yeah. at some point, you made a decision to pursue it. Yes. How did that happen and what was it like? Um, first, nobody is as surprised as I am that I get to do this, that I am one of the people that turned their hobby into a, a full-blown career. I never would have in my wildest dreams thought that I would be sitting here. Um, It happened so organically and it's almost like I didn't have a choice. It was just all the neon arrows from the universe were saying, all right, go this way. This is your next step. This is your next step. Um, 
and it was one of the greatest things that came out of my midlife crisis. <laughs> you know, I kind of, I had to do the next step. I had to, okay, yeah, I'll sell you this painting. And I was, you know, working full time, you know, nine to five and on the weekends um, to, port, to support myself and my daughter. But, um, you know, it was supporting another entrepreneur and I was doing office management stuff and it wasn't super fulfilling as far as my soul goes. And they closed the shop that I worked in for a week and I was like, I can't afford to lose money for a week. Like I was paycheck to paycheck, you know, at the, at that time. So I just, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to spend the time, learn how to market myself on Instagram. It's free marketing, you know? Um, so I'm going to research everything and figure out how I'm going to put myself out there digitally at least. And that week I made more money than I would in a month at the shop I was working at. And I was like, okay. So I had to go to my boss when I came back and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like it, it is so black and white. Like I have to go do I that. I have no choice at this <laughs> right. point. I, I'm sorry, yeah. but my success is just so great <laughs> that I, I have to leave. I mean, that's literally what happened. Were you yeah. selling pieces that you already had on hand? I very, very rarely do I have anything on hand. And that sounds like I'm... Well, I'm talking about when you started. When, when, you, when you made mm-hmm. more money in a week than you normally would right. in a month. Like, how did that happen exactly? I, I just, I really, I painted two or three paintings and, they, and I put them up on Instagram and they sold. They sold immediately. Yes. Were they, did they sell to people that you knew or did, did people just discover you? 50-50. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Like some that did and some that were just like, yeah, that matches my couch. I'm like, okay. So your artistic career... It corresponds very tightly with um, the changes that are occurring in our world as mm-hmm. a result of social media, right? Yes. And Instagram in particular has been a real boon for you. It's been yep. something that's a big part. And I, I remember, um, so we have two works of art in our reception area here at Miles Mediation and Arbitration. The other one that sits across from yours is uh, a, uh, a pastel piece by an artist named Zaria Foreman. She's amazing. Well, she is. And when you came here, you said, oh, is that, you recognize her. <laughs> yes. And you say, oh, is that Zaria Lynn? And I said, yeah. oh, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> That's Zaria Foreman. She's a New York-based artist who does right. these pastels of uh, icebergs and um, a lot of cool colors and yes. uh, ice. And uh, and you said, no, I think it's Zaria Lynn. And Zaria Lynn is her Instagram yes. handle, right? So yep. Instagram um, is quite uh, the networking venue for not just everybody in the world, but artists in particular, right? Yes. Because it, it's suited so well toward the visual medium. And it really, it seems to me, allows people who like what you do to find you instantly, no matter yes. where they may be in the world. It's amazing. It, it, it's a fantastic tool. And especially for um, not just visual artists, but if, if you're on the more shy side, like I am, and wouldn't necessarily put yourself out there. Um, it's a great way to just, this is what I do. Put your, put yourself out there on a screen and, and if people respond, I mean, that's fantastic. I just, I'm super grateful to it. It, I mean, it's a double edged sword as far as, you know, I, I find I have to like make some boundaries with it, especially now that things are busier and I'm you know further along in my career and there's more people that have heard of me um I do have to 
be careful with how much I put out there and how who I respond to and things. But um, I'm I'm super grateful for it. That and it's free. Well, what you have—that's right, that's right. And it, if people like you, they're going to find you. Yeah. And uh, and what you've—and the other thing that is empowered by the internet. There's many things, of course, that are the consequences of the internet. Right. But one is is that you don't have to be universally loved. You just have to be loved enough by enough people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like every, like if people are willing to pay you enough right. <laughs> to do what you do, th- yeah. it doesn't matter really how many of them there are. No, You're, it doesn't. And I've—it's never been my goal to be the most famous, most successful person. I just want to live a happy life and, you know, be able to relax as far as finances go um, and survival. And, you know, I want to thrive. I want to be able to enjoy life and, you know, be able to afford things. But um, I don't care about fame or anything like that. I I know that there's some people out there that that's their end game, but it's not mine. So, well, what you find though is even to be, um, we're going to talk more about your success, all right, because <laughs> you certainly had some, but even to be successful at the level that you are, it mm-hmm. doesn't just happen, right? I right. mean, yeah, you, you tend to be self deprecating, but <laughs> you at the same time did make this happen, right? You, right? you decided to do it, you took the steps that were necessary to do, you declared yourself to be an artist, yes. you are an artist, and you also in the life of a professional artist, it's not like there's a lot of working in the studio, but it's certainly not all of that. You have to work the Instagram thing. You have to set aside time for the business end of things. And uh, I imagine that that has been a separate challenge in itself. And it, it occurs to me that the business side of an artist's career and, um, is very much part of the overall project, right? Like that the, the lines, particularly now, are are blurring or blurred between art versus commerce and so as just as an example like you've branched out right where mm-hmm. once it, it, it correct me if i'm wrong but i think you just started out selling your pieces but now mm-hmm. your designs are incorporated into products right yes. and so wh- what has that transition been like i know it's required learning new things like digital um, yeah. digital tools and creating patterns from your work and stuff like that yep. I'm, I'm very interested in that so I decided I've always wanted to learn photography and I never knew how to work a camera. Um, I decided to teach myself just as just as a, an extra medium, you know, and I thought, well, somebody's got to photograph my my work. And so I taught myself everything, um, bought myself a camera, taught myself Photoshop, figured all that out and decided to make some repeat patterns out of little portions of little images of a portion of my paintings okay now you have said mm-hmm. that whenever you have a painting or a piece like mm-hmm. there's a piece there's a part of it that yes. you like the best like you, Always. you, you have a favorite little section Always. Of, what are you drawn to i don't i don't know if it's one specific thing but it's usually just the marriage of colors and the marriage of shapes and negative space and i just i just wind up honing in on one or two areas of each painting and i just can't I can see now I've done it long enough that I'm like, that's going to translate into a pattern. That's going to translate into a pattern. And then I'll take that image and manipulate it for hours until I find the right balance of what I want the pattern to look like. And I love it. I, I never thought that I would be a digital fan, you know, because staring at a screen all day is not, that's not really me, but... Um, 
It's well, fun. It, it's yeah, a nice it's just, little departure, I guess, from the tactile part of my work. Very much so. And it's a tool. Mm-hmm. And every tool can be used creatively. Yes. And so whatever you're doing, uh, you can find a way to put your spin on it. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like what the way that it started, what we're talking about is, and all this stuff is available on your website, but there, I think there, you do custom stuff too. And yes. Who knows? The sky's the limit. But <laughs> there's, there's definitely like wallpaper. And the wallpaper can be patterns that repeat like Mm -hmm. you kind of expect wallpaper but like art looking wallpaper but then there's also just hugely blown up versions of your painting so that it's like the whole wall is like one of your paintings right so you can do it that way and you can also put these images onto anything uh textiles so like pillows bedspreads and stuff like that like what what else yes everything everything yeah yeah um right now there's tons of print-on-demand services that you can just – I could put a pattern on a water bottle, you know. Um, and never say never, but I, right now I just – I prefer to focus on the wall coverings and textiles. Um, and then if somebody comes along with something like packaging or an album cover, that would be – You're open to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's all it's all related, right? Yes. It, it's it's related back to the furniture business. Mm-hmm. You know, what you're talking about, people's spaces, um, sort of the aesthetic of, of home or office, um, yep. people's physical environment, like sort of yes. everything that you're doing fits into that. And you've talked mm-hmm. about how you find it rewarding to work with somebody who's doing a commission to, mm-hmm. to actually visit the space before yes. you do the work, right? Yes. And to kind of know where it's going to go and how it's going to flow. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the higher profile projects that you've done is at the here at the Charlotte Airport, yes. right? So the American Express Centurion Lounge. Now, this is a piece that you did that I'm not sure I'm ever going to actually be able to see because <laughs> I do I presently do not I guess I could get an American Express card right but I I don't have one and um but this is something where they they just they came to you right they they, they found you on Instagram and it went from mm-hmm. there so tell me about that yeah. it must have been exciting it blew my mind I like ran around the house in circles just like dumbfounded that that was the name at the bottom of the email that came to me and they just said that they were, you know, doing a new lounge at the Charlotte airport and that they wanted a feature wall of a local artist and they wanted it to be soothing and calming for the travelers and it had to incorporate Amex blue. So we did, you know, some Pantone color matching for it. So I painted them a, um, it wound up being a diptych of, two panel piece because the mural was going to be so large I had to photograph it in sections and then puzzle it together Um, so I did an original that was two panels sold that to someone else but photographed it before I sold it and turned it into the wallpaper mural that now hangs in the Centurion Lounge and it's been there for a year and six months I believe and I just saw it for the first time two weeks ago you didn't even get to go when they did like a grand right. opening or it was something. At the pandemic, it was the uh, beginning of the pandemic. It was just, it just didn't happen. And then I didn't travel, you know, until two weeks ago. Yeah. And my daughter was with with me, and we turned the corner and just went, 
Oh my god. Do you get a free membership to the lounge? I mean, no. You really should. Don't no. You? At least to I the one in so Charlotte. Too. Yeah, maybe we can work that I out. I think Let's, so too. We'll make some calls. Yeah, the the front desk person was not impressed that I was the person that painted it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, how did it feel though? You you go there. This was a this was a big moment, right? In yes. in life and in your career, and, and mm-hmm. you haven't seen it yet in person. You mm-hmm. remember it, and you got pictures of it. But yeah. How did it feel when you went in and saw it for the first time in real life? It was, it, oh, it just it was very very, I maybe not validating. Just saying, you did this. This is so full circle. You know that you just get to see something that huge that that many people travelers coming in all day every day get to experience something that I created it just it blows my mind that's a big part of it is is sharing with people right um giving in a way uh to people help improving people's lives you know giving people a moment of appreciation or joy yeah that's kind of what art is all about and and it's it's true that it's fulfilling in its own right and mm-hmm. it's true that it's worth doing even if it's just for yourself because mm-hmm. let's be clear positively affecting yourself is very important right yes, we do not sure. diminish that but when you have something like this that you know thousands and thousands of people are going to see on mm-hmm. an ongoing basis, um, it must be uh, give you a sense of um, pride and accomplishment to know that you're positively affecting you know people um, completely that who are traveling literally all around the world. Yeah, and to bring a minute of comfort or, or joy to someone else is just. I mean, why else are we here? What you know? Why else is anybody here? I think everything should be beautiful. Um, and there is beauty in everything. I just, I just want to spread that around like glitter. <laughs> well, and you also, you do spread around some glitter <laughs> in your actual works, right? I yes. mean, you have said that your favorite types of commissions are the ones where people say, uh, we're thinking for colors, like all of them. And then we're thinking for, you know, like for style, like as much as possible. Yes. And like, definitely like as many layers as you can possibly pour onto the thing and then glitter, yes. right? Uh, Ideal. I, well, so the the process of doing commissions, big, mm-hmm. big part of what you've been doing for a while, yes. right? Um, yep. It almost seems like, I think I'm gathering from this conversation that you don't just have stuff lying around. That, like, I don't. People are coming to you and saying, hey, this is what, so you're kind of working to yeah. just keep up with demand. Uh, how is the process of collaboration with a commission mm-hmm. and do you, do you find it rewarding? Do you find it uh, constricting or a little of both? Does it run the gamut? How do you feel about it? Always rewarding. If I, whenever I get to create, it's rewarding to me. Like it does, doesn't matter what, what the situation is. Um, I haven't had, knock on wood, I haven't had an unhappy client yet. Um, they always are joyous when they see it, you know, their piece come to life. Um, if there's if there's a client that wants to change something, it's no skin off my back. I don't mind at all, because you know, like I said before, sometimes there's a little disconnect in communication of what they want. Um, but then I just start over and deliver a little bit later. Um, so that communication piece of it is probably the only challenge. Um, I, luckily, I haven't had anyone that has been. I want this painting duplicated precisely, you know, so I don't feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I would be, 
I would be really bored if I just had to do blue flowers all the time. You know? Well, that's kind of getting back to what we talked about mm-hmm. before. It's sort of about like if you become very successful by doing a certain thing mm-hmm. then are people are gonna and we talked about it right the, yep. the, people love the blobs all right yep. and look i'm guilty i <laughs> love the blobs i mean i love the blobs you know and it's, it's no knock on anything else but that i can imagine that it would i think bored is a great word for it in a way in, in the sense that uh you you've done it before um mm-hmm. and but at the same time, it's also kind of one of those things that goes with the territory of being professional, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's you're not just doing it for your own fulfillment. Like, this right. is a business. This yeah. is your career. And it is paying your bills. So. Yeah. <laughs> I usually, if I do have to, you know, backtrack to something that I wouldn't necessarily choose to paint that week, I'll tweak it in a way where there's something different about it, you know? So it's not, I mean, I couldn't duplicate things that the people that do want a duplication I'll make a print for them you know um but for originals some they'll get something that's a little bit different than the last one I'm not for everybody and when you're when you hire me you kind of you have to know that you have to know that I'm I'm a little wacky and you know I'm not your run-of-the-mill artist off the street that's you know that's it's just different. It's just different. And you want something different if you I think that's me. the beauty of <laughs> the connection uh, that can exist direct between the artist and the can and the customer yep. via the internet, right? Yeah. With, without any intermediary. It seems to me like a lot of the disconnect that might otherwise exist in that relationship is just kind of eliminated because people self select because mm-hmm. by the time they come to you, they've been looking at your stuff probably for months, right. if not longer. So they know. So you don't probably, I would imagine, you don't have to do a lot of education about like, this is what I do, this is how it works. You know, That's it's, actually a good point. Now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it, it hasn't been an issue because you can see that I'm... And people interact there. with you. It's not just images either. It's mm-hmm. also... Uh, the way that you do respond to people, the things that you say. And f- and for that matter, the fact that, you know, if you go on vacation to Costa Rica or mm-hmm. something and you're, you know, it, that's there too, yeah. right? It seems like th- this is another, you know, here we are, uh, we're both in our 40s. Uh, we kind of grew up, w- w- you know, we had full lives before the internet existed. Mm-hmm. And then, but we've been living with the internet for a long time as well. Mm-hmm huge change you know in our, our whole world right and Massive. and this is just one of those things this is just yeah. one of the oh yeah by the way like among other things that the internet did it disintermediated the connection between artists and uh consumers right. of art right so yeah. that now not only it's totally democratized it too in the sense that like there's a lot more space for people to be professional artists like mm-hmm. and also for people to be collectors of fine art i think right. as well you know what i mean i think the um it's fascinating to me and what you're describing is something that wouldn't have occurred to me before like mm-hmm. the hard conversation with somebody who's commissioning something well yeah maybe it's not hard if they've been following you on Instagram That's for true. 6 months it never occurred to me either like i wouldn't i don't think i'd be sitting here if the internet didn't exist i know i wouldn't be nobody would know who i am you know well there would be a different path right i mean it's not yeah. like there there were artists you know what i right. mean they just had it, they, you go through uh, uh I don't want to use the term gatekeepers, but like sort of like aggregators, I guess, like mm-hmm. galleries and yes. um, museums. And but before the internet, that was and, hard 
to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, you it was you had to jump through a lot of hoops for that to happen. Well, you still got to jump through some. Yeah, uh, and that's you know. Th- I can do it from my couch though. <laughs> I hear you. No, I hear you. Oh, speaking of doing things from your couch, I I understand that not long ago you had the opportunity to be featured on a television program, uh, and that you had a camera crew yes. come follow you around for like a week uh, in the how- pandemic in my house. Yeah, yeah. how was that? It was amazing. Well, first of all, what's it called and where can we find it? Um, It's on the Design Network, which um, you can stream it anywhere on any streaming device. Um, It's also, they they put everything up on YouTube as well. The show is called Commissioned, and I was season two, episode four. You can just Google Amanda Moody Commissioned and it'll come up. Um, They found me and asked me to be on the show and sent a film crew out for the week start to finish my process of a commission for a client and I've never painted a painting in a week before and I had to do it for this show and I did it and then I slept for three weeks but no, um, okay, no, no. <laughs> hold on a minute yeah. like, it usually ta- how long does it usually take a month or more and is that is that because uh, of the materials that you use it, it, it's at least in part because a lot of the materials that you use take a long time to dry right yes that's a portion of it. The other portion of it is the fact that I have no employees. <laughs> I am number one. I do everything. Um, and if I paint start to finish, you know, on a Monday, all day in my studio, then the next day has to be for admin work or following up with clients or site visits or, Yeah, all this know, other like, uh, glamorous every, stuff else. that goes with the work of being a professional right, artist, exactly. right? exactly. So... If I had my way, I'd be in my studio all day, every day. Um, and most days I am because I'm happiest there. I'm much nicer to my family when I get to paint that day. Um, well, how did you so do yeah. it then for the show? How did you, how'd you pull it off in a Everything week? shut down. Like I didn't accomplish anything else. And all I did was paint and interview with them. I was like a deer in headlights. You can watch it. So is it start to finish the creation of one piece? One piece. And do you go on like the emotional journey that you would go on anyway? But it's all compressed and artificial because you're on camera and all that. I mean, what was that? It it was a little like they definitely they left some things out just in the interest of time. Um, Like they didn't I don't think they got the second layer of resin that I poured there was a big portion of the show that wound up being um, how I messed up. And I love that they included that because that is a huge part of my process. Like oh, we that's were, we were that's about drama. That, that, I know. That's what reality shows are all about. Like it's it, true. If you had gotten in a fight with your daughter or something, that would have been in there it too. Would've. I guarantee it would have. The dog, if the dog had come in and like <laughs> hair had landed on the painting or something, that would have been in there. Exactly. Yep. But like you were saying before um, – that mistakes are the thing that really those are a turning point for me and the paint I decided because of who I am as a person I decided that for the first time I was going to paint on aluminum on national tv and I'm like oh let's do this six foot by four foot aluminum piece for the nation (laughs) and I didn't the primer didn't work and all the paint just started to bubble up and um there's a line where I say I'm not upset but you know and just move on 
and start over so and the painting turns out awesome. If I may, I mean, this is really interesting <laughs> to me. If you consider the television show to be a creative project mm-hmm. in itself, like part of your output into the yeah. world in a way, it's interesting that it's very much you in the sense that it's literally you doing it right. and it's your work is recognizably yours. Right. But it but it's also not you at all in the sense that you it's unnatural in the sense that you don't or you're not normally accompanied by a camera crew. Right. You're not usually doing it all in one week. It's just kind of a, a fa- it's like a um, an artificially constrained project, you know? Mm-hmm. I um and that's an interesting way to work, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can imagine right. yourself. I don't, I don't even. I mean, I can think of ludicrous examples. Like if you if you created a painting like in pitch dark with no light, or if you created mm-hmm. a painting with uh, a, like a, a materials that you'd never use, which you literally did with this aluminum yes. thing, yeah. <laughs> right? So you're it's, it's like tying one arm behind your back or something and mm-hmm. seeing what you can do. How did it turn out in the end? It turned out awesome. It turned out awesome. It's one of my all time favorites. And luckily, the clients are are dear friends of mine. Um, they have three other pieces of mine too and um, it turned out really really great and luckily what she was wanting was super colorful and tropical and rainbows and and glitter so it was she was my ideal client (laughs) so well that's wonderful well here you are Amanda Moody who once so memorably got a 12 in accounting (laughs) now an established professional artist what's next like what does the future hold have you got anything coming up or do you have any uh creative experiments that you're looking forward to trying as time goes by oh i mean the world is what is that expression the world is my oyster Mm -hmm. like i'm I'm open to anything i more murals um i'm actually collaborating with a local photographer um on a few things that's that's going to be coming up in the next few months. That's my focus. It's a more marketing that's authentic to me because I need to put myself out there more. Like when I do things like coming on a podcast or doing a TV show, it always feels like I'm stepping outside of my box and it's just, it's difficult for me, but every time I do it, I'm so happy. So in the next couple of months, I'm going to be putting myself in front of a camera more often than I usually do. Um, and we'll see where that takes me. So, Well, good for you. Uh, this has been a perfectly delightful conversation. I'm so uh, honored that you chose to spend your time with me on the Steve Dunn Podcast. Thank you, Amanda Moody, for being with me today. The honor is all mine. Thanks.